0: All right, we are back here on the Ohioan Podcast, and I was telling him before we started this interview, um, thanks to COVID, all of my coworkers at the Dispatch, since they inquire, and all these other great papers in Ohio, I don't see, I don't talk to, I I really don't get to go out to eat with this guy or, you know, go over to his desk and bother him or anything. We're just on teams, so we talk virtually a lot, and I'm glad to finally put a face and a voice to the name, uh, Joey Kaufman. He comes to the the Buckeyes uh, for the Columbus Dispatch. He's with us, and Joey, thanks for coming on. How are you today? I'm doing well, Chris. I hope the face and the voice are uh, not as... uh... Underwhel-
1: underwhelming as they probably are, but it's uh, good to finally <laughs> talk with you as well, and um, yeah, it's uh, hopefully we're um to be back. I, I know people are coming back to the office for more now, so hopefully we'll be able to cross-task
0: here pretty soon. Well, Joey, I cheated, because we had a seminar for the dispatch. What, what was it, a couple days ago? Um, it, it was a good seminar how to deal with different, different people, which was excellent. You had your camera on, so I was able to put that at least your face to your name. So I cheat a little bit, Joey. Sorry about that.
2: Oh, I, I, man, never, never leave your camera on when you're in the yeah. big seminar. What are you doing, Joey? Right. Come on. I wanted to prove I was Right, right. I'm really here. I'm really here. Right.
1: Yep, that's I mean, good. For, for all they know, is I could have your, uh, I could be logged in, and have my camera off, but I could be
2: doing that's, something else. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I got go. go. I would never do that. <laughs>
0: I gotta go more on video. I'm known as the guy who doesn't go on video unless I have to, so it's good. Well, hey, people aren't here to listen to our video on or video off habits, their work means they're here, they want to hear more about the Buckeyes. So, Joey, this is your second year covering the Buckeyes. I know you come from USC, um, covering them, so you've had a history of covering iconic college football programs. So, you got a typical year of uh, Ohio State football with the band, the big crowds the tradition and everything else. And then 2020, it was kind of like a weird year for Ohio State. They did well, but, you know, there's no fans and everything. How was that? I and mean, Did you feel kind of dipped a little bit because of that? I mean, what was your reaction to everything going on with that? It was a
1: strange year, 2020. I mean, I, I came here, I think in some ways a fun time because mm-hmm. I arrived a couple months after Ryan Day had taken over for Urban Meyer, so you got to start on the ground floor of a new – Coaching era and in 2019 for Ohio State, that did not lack for drama. I mean, it. it they were a team that went through the whole regular season without any issue. Um, and then, and then last year was just sort of a shortened season, and you don't in a typical season you have some ebbs and flows to it. And last year was like a 40 yard dash. It, it started in late October, played five regular season games, had multiple games canceled. So much of of what I did as a reporter was centered on what was going off the field and how many COVID cases did the team have and were they practicing as a result of the virus? Were they able to, were they gonna be able to play Saturday in the Big 10 canceled the season and then restart? There was so much off the field drama, you, you missed maybe covering a
0: typical full full game season. And what was the conversation like? I mean, from working in journalism, I, I know what happens behind the scenes, but a lot of people who are listening this probably don't understand. What's it like for you? Because they literally canceled the Big Ten season. I mean, it took some wrangling at the last minute for them to have an Ohio State season. What's what's going on in your head? Like, what happens with you? I mean, Do you cover something else? Are you covering COVID more? What was the conversations like when we, we even know if we would have Ohio State season last year?
1: I think because the Big Ten eventually did a U-turn and reverse course, it, it allowed us to, to still report on Ohio State, still report on the Big Ten because there was so much off-field drama and news happening on on a daily basis where I think my day-to-day job didn't change too much in what I was assigned to report and ride on. What really felt different was if you were covering a typical college football season, there, there's more of a rhythm to it. It's, you have know, Big Ten Media Day in, in mid-July, and then training camp starts in August, and you write about various position battles, and you write about uh, new freshmen, and, and you, you work your way through the roster previewing the season, and then the season starts around Labor Day, and in each game week brings a familiar routine, and there's, there's a structure to it. And when the big Ten had this whole roller coaster summer and, and early fall, there was no rhythm to it, and you were reacting to news all the time, and that, that was so different than what what you were
0: normally experience. You know, one of the guys that was really behind the Ohio State season coming back was Justin Fields. I mean, you know, he was active. Uh, he probably played a big role in it. And, you know, Justin Fields had an interesting year last year. I got to tell you, I haven't figured out Justin Fields. I watched him in the Sugar Bowl, and I'm like, holy crap, he sure went number one. He's going to be a great quarterback. Look out, Pat Mahomes and everything. And then I saw the Indiana game where I'm sitting here like, oh, my goodness. I He may not start over Indy Dalton with the Bears. Obviously, it's got to be somewhere in between. What's your perception? You've seen Fields for a couple years. What do you think he's going to be like in the price? That's a that's a good question. I I think you've seen
1: you've seen him over a year and a half, and I think if you look in the totality of his sophomore year at Ohio State, where he played fourteen games, and last year he played eight games. I mean, the Indiana game really in that span of twenty games, I think, is more of an anomaly than, than any sort mm-hmm. of a trend because he threw three picks. But I mean, his his sophomore year in twenty nineteen, he rarely. Through interceptions, I think he had all three of the whole season, um two in Clemson and only one during the regular season. So to have a game like Indiana, I think was uncharacteristic for for him. I think it, it does. It was a result of of a tendency he has to maybe seek out a big play and try to force something. But overall, he he took care of the ball very well in in those two seasons at Ohio State. So I look at the Clemson game being a little more. Or what to expect from from Justin Fields as far as both taking care of the the football and also having an knack for, for some of the big throws and big plays.
0: So you think Justin will be okay? You think he'll start by the, end of the year for the Bears? And I mean, you think he'll have a decent year at
1: least? I think he'll. I think there's incentive for the Bears to start him right away because if you are a if you are Ryan Pace and you are a front office, you want to start a rookie quarterback because it gives you more lifespan as a as a as a GM or an executive because if if the Bears struggle next year, they can say, hey, well, we played a rookie quarterback, so there's, I feel like there's an incentive there to start your younger quarterback. But so much of the NFL is dictated on, I guess, where your circumstances. is. Uh, the Bears, I feel like, gives him a better shot than if he went to the Jets because I think everybody for a long time assumed that he would be the second quarterback after Trevor Lawrence he picked, and that's what I thought would happen. I mean, in high school – Trevor Lawrence is one A, and Justin Fields is one B. And and throughout college, it was it was the same way as a pro prospect. It seemed like Justin Fields was always on. Trevor Lawrence is, is uh, right there behind him. And that didn't happen. The the Jets took uh, Zach Wilson. So I think Fields is in a better situation in Chicago where he's going to get a better chance to, to have a long career. But he seems to work too hard and he's too physically talented not to at least play a long time in the league, whether he's – an all-pro guy that that seems hard to predict. It's, it's only a handful of really really good NFL quarterbacks, but I think he meets a lot of the the prerequisites to to play a long time and, and start a lot of games.
0: There was a lot of draft scuttlebutt before the uh, draft. Um, Mike Tomlin, our guy over in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, uh there were reports he was over in Columbus. He was very excited about Justin Fields' anything. I didn't know how much you heard about who was talking to Justin. Do you think the Steelers? Had interest, but or you think they just realized, hey, we're way too low in their draft order to have it shot at?
1: I mean, they could have traded up like Chicago. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that was, that was probably an option for them, but I guess it didn't materialize. I can't, I don't know, I'm not as familiar with the inner workings of, of their front office by any means, but it, it certainly seemed like the way that, that Mike Tomlin interacted with, with Justin Fields at, at their pro day that there was some. There was some interest in him as a prospect, and, and eventually Pittsburgh's got to move on from Ben Roethlisberger just because of the right. days. You figure there's only so many years that he can he can play in the league, but I think a little bit of his maybe they, they haven't crossed that that bridge yet.
0: Well, I know Dwayne Haskins predates you, but Paul wanted to ask about Ohio State quarterbacks and maybe what you thought about Dwayne Haskins. So, uh, Paul, you want to ask away. Yeah. I, I get so much hate, but I'm just looking at Mike
1: Tomczak was the last respectable Ohio State quarterback. And I'm going to be wrong, especially, I, I don't think Miz Rudolph is our solution after Big Ben. And so I want Dwayne Haskins to be the guy. Is there is there a reason to believe that Haskins can be the guy? Because all, all these Ohio State guys, it's like Cardell Jones, Troy Smith, like, oh, they're going to be the big thing. And they just they disappear. And I want Haskins to be our guy. Can you help me feel good about <laughs> I think at least Dwayne Haskins has a couple of things going for him that maybe other Ohio State quarterbacks didn't have in the past. I mean, really historically, until late in Irvin Meyer's tenure when he hired Ryan Day and hired Kevin Wilson, and I think just in general began to change his overall philosophy to offensive football was Ohio State didn't really recruit premier-level quarterbacks. Talent, and and they didn't recruit premier quarterback talent as far as I think arm strength and as far as being maybe pro style passers. They, they, during the Jim Tressler era, recruited a lot of game manager type quarterbacks. Throwing the football wasn't really a priority for them. They were more of a, a run oriented team, and I and I think Haskins, at least from a physical tool standpoint, fits fits the bill in that regard. I think there may be some. Some larger questions about just how much experience he has. He only started a year in college, and I think that 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 hurts him. I think there have been questions raised more about his work ethic um, during his stint in Washington. It's, I don't think it's a very good sign that, that Washington was so willing to give up on him so soon for being a mid-first-round pick, and I think that's maybe a the, the little bit of a concern, but if you are going to see you're a half-glass uh, full guy, I think you look from a physical tool standpoint, which is not something that, that maybe previous Ohio State quarterbacks had. It's not something J.T. Barrett really had. It's not something um, Braxton Miller had from a, from a throwing standpoint with Terrell Pryor. So I think that's something that, that Haskins has that his president didn't have, which is, which is his arm talent.
0: And I always wonder, too, I mean, he's from Washington, and it seemed like sometimes it's great to go where you grew up. In some ways, going back to where you grew up, get you in trouble. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened to Haskins on some of the off the field issues he faced in Washington too. I don't know, just a guess on my end. Well, wasn't he
1: partying when he was going to yeah. partying out with a mask or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he was at a he
2: was at a COVID party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's good to hear that that at least in your perspective, what you're seeing over the past couple of years with Haskins and and now with Fields, that they they seem to be approaching uh, uh quarterbacks who have or are, are a little bit more. Uh, NFL ready or on their road to uh, being NFL ready than they were in the past. So that might speak well for uh, for for Paul's concerns. Um, just because uh, it's all about what scheme a, a quarterback lands in in the NFL. Anyway, I know we like to do uh, we like to believe that these quarterbacks come out of uh, college just absolutely ready to be the leader of the the next Super Bowl dynasty team, but. It, the reality is it all depends on the, the line that's in front of them, the coaching staff who's coaching these these players and whether or not it all works together in a unit. But it would be nice to know, to feel like coming out of Ohio State, these guys were getting the preparation that were really going to set them up for NFL success. I think, too,
1: for, for Dwayne Haskins, I think the locker roomers, was- Pittsburgh is probably the best situation for him as far as anywhere he could go in terms of of, of learning to become a professional and, and being surrounded by a good culture. And I think that, that matters for him as, as far as his development because physically he can play. He's a good, good, really strong arm, and I think the question is just development as a, as a, as a quarterback. I don't know if Big Ben is necessarily the mentor for yeah. that. But it seems like Mike Tomlin and the overall locker room culture terms Yeah, of that. That end could help
2: And just the experience of getting knocked down a, pe- a couple of pegs. It makes you come in and prepare a little bit different because you realize how close you are to sitting home watching on Sundays.
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask you, too, before you uh, covered Ohio State, you were at USC. Uh, you caught the last year of Juju Smith-Schuster at USC before he got drafted by Steelers. Kind of a weird year for Juju. He wasn't targeted quite as much at the beginning of the year. But near the end of the year, he became a main target for the Steelers. Um, I'm thinking back to the loss against the Browns. And, you know, the Steelers made a big pitch to keep him. He signed the pitcher for less money. What do you think about Juju, and what how does that mess with what you saw of him at USC? I know it was a few years back, but what was your take on everything that's been happening with Juju lately?
1: Yeah, I, I covered his last year at USC in, in 2016. He had a big personality. He was a, He was a fun player to – the cover because after he had a big game, he was very fun to talk to. And 2016 was a funky year for, for USC because they started that year with Max Brown as a starting quarterback. He was their their entrenched veteran. And in reality, Sam Darnold outplayed him in preseason camp or whatever. He didn't get the nod right away out of the gate. Game four, Darnold comes in and, and really USC season picks up the, the Juju's mood during the Weeks one, two, and three were were not great. The USC's passing game was was rather anemic. And then um, weeks four, five, six, seven, it starts to go like this and pick up. And he talks about how he has a a bromance with Sam Darnold. And they were going to go to to one of the theme parks in Southern California together. And he was fun to talk to that here because he (laughs) he really took a liking to Darnold because, I mean, they had a bad, rough start to the year. And when he and Darnold clicked, he was – a bright and colorful
0: quote in the city. Yeah, he was pitching Darnold to go to the Pittsburgh before he ended up going to Carolina in that trade. Boy, <laughs> it's just it's just fascinating. it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, Ohio State. I mean, hey, they're always up there. I mean, are you expecting more of the same this year? I know they got a lot of um places to replace, but um from the spring game, looks like I got a lively competition in place fields. It looks like they're not going to be down that far this year, right?
1: I think they're going to be really good on offense. I mean, they do lose Justin Fields, but you return both of your starting tackles. They were two of the best pass protectors in the country, so the offensive line is, is overall pretty in place. And then the skill position talent is great because you have Chris Olave coming back for his senior year, Garrett Wilson. You could not design a better situation for a, a first-time starting quarterback to walk into – I think as well, Ryan Day has had an overall very good track record of of first-time starting quarterbacks. He hasn't had to start a freshman at Ohio State, but you look at C.J. Stroud and you look at Jack Miller, both of those guys are second-year freshmen. And and Justin Fields was a sophomore at Ohio State when he first got a start. So offensively, I think Ohio State is going to be fine next year. Defensively, I think it's still – have some questions, especially in the secondary. But they're going to be in the mix for, for a playoff spot. They have tremendous talent on both sides of the ball. But even though they're losing field, I think they're still going to put up plenty of points. The question is going to be whether they fix the back end of their defense.
0: Who do you think is the, the biggest threat to them in the Big Ten this year?
1: Ooh, that's a good question because there are probably about three or four teams you could pick. You can maybe go with Michigan. You may go to Penn State, maybe Indiana. Maybe it's a crossover game, Wisconsin meets them in the Big Ten. I don't flip a coin. I feel like Ohio State has such a talent advantage over everybody in the Big Ten that I don't really look at any team on on the schedule as particularly formidable. Even Penn State, they don't have to play them on the road. They get them at home in Columbus. In in a lot of ways, I think Oregon is going to be the toughest test for them. That's week two. So Mm -hmm. whoever your freshman starting quarterback is, they only have one game under their, their belt. Oregon's the defending Pac-12 champs, they won that two years in a row. They recruited really well under Mario Cristobal, so I think that to me is going to be the toughest test because they're going to be inexperienced when they play them. They play them um, second week of the season, and I think that is going to make Oregon a lot of, in a lot of ways the tougher test than anybody they're going to face on the Big Ten slate.
0: One thing, and Joey and I were talking about coming on for the past few weeks, but there was breaking news that will release this tomorrow morning, so we need to address real quick. The NIL bill, which is just saying, hey, athletes can be compensated, you know, if it's the NCAA football game or whatever else the case might be, that became law today in Ohio. Uh, Kind of interesting. Uh, We don't have all night, but um, some politicians tried to attach that to a a potential ban on transgenders competing in high school sports and college sports. That kind of delayed the bill, but Governor Mike DeWine kind of stepped in today and said, hey, let's do executive order. Let's get this bill uh, giving college athletes the right to be compensated. Um, how important is that? Because I know that there were some provisions being worked on to say, even if your state didn't allow it, there's ways we can kind of get around it. But man, how much would that affect the Ohio State if for some reason it just wasn't allowed in Ohio for the compensation to happen While whenever states are allowing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think because the NCAA came out with its proposal, it, it, I would compare Ohio State to Indiana. Ohio now has a name, image, and likeness law. Indiana has no name, image, and likeness law. But because of what the NCAA has passed today, uh which is a temporary policy uh, related to name image and likeness even though there is no state law in indiana related to name image and likeness the ncaa is allowing indiana university to come up with a policy related to its athletes and name image and likeness ohio state will follow the state law in ohio well, in a practical way i don't know if this really impacts recruiting or has any tangible effects because at the end of the day you have two schools in the Big Ten East, in two different states, but ultimately are going to make an NIL pitch to their athletes. I think for Ohio, it gave them a little bit of an insurance policy. If the NCAA didn't come out with a, with a temporary policy and didn't allow schools and states without NIL laws to, to form their own policy. So I think that's the benefit for Ohio State was through insurance if the NCAA didn't uh, come out with that. And this is more of a more of a, I guess an inside baseball. But it still has to get um, adopted by the board of directors on Wednesday. They're right. expected to adopt adopted, but, but it will likely go in, go into effect.
0: Well, and, and, hey, colleges are making a lot of money. I can definitely understand college athletes. They need to get paid something. You know, it's not like they can just do it for just a scholarship pay. But I got to tell you, Joey, we're, we're video game people from the past or the present. And hey, it means NCAA football could be coming back. It's just it's wonderful news, I'll tell you. I played that game a ton. So if
1: anything to to bring back uh, the NCAA football video game, I'm all four, My college roommates and I played that a ton. Uh, we played it a ton growing up. So I missed that game. It's been uh, last one was uh, 2013. The last came out. Yeah. Or then NCAA 14. So it's wild. Wow, we've gone almost a decade
0: without it. And you would be insane on that game, right? Because you cover Ohio State. I mean, I wouldn't want to uh, play against you if Ohio State, right? But you should know what you're talking about, right? I wasn't very good at the game, though. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I played a lot, but I
1: was never uh, – I, I can't profess to have, like, the greatest skills. I, I didn't okay. you know, always beat my teammates <laughs> in the game, so. Well,
0: well, maybe they'll allow press conferences and they'll have likenesses of reporters. And not hey, only – go. We kept have Joey Coffin asking questions in the back. It would be great, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that game would sell, but. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, Joey, th- thanks so much. We appreciate it. Uh, Hang on the line for us uh, for a minute. I wanted to ask you about something unrelated, uh, but thanks. How do we follow you on Twitter if we haven't already?
1: Sure, you can. Uh, well, Chris and everyone, thanks for having me on. It was just fun time with you all. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyRCoffin, J O E Y. R. and talking KUF for And follow us at dispatch.com or BuckeyeExtra.com for all Ohio State coverage.
0: Yeah, very good Ohio State coverage. They have a couple of um, football writers. Um, they got a guy who covers the basketball. Good coverage of of even the minor sports of Ohio State. Yeah, so Joey's right. Check out com. Oh. I know I work there. I know Joey works there, but please support local journalism. I mean, I know there's other places that provide journalism, but to have a real local journalism, you know, Dispatch definitely is a place to go here in the Columbus area. All right, Joey, hang out. Uh, We'll be back with you. And Everyone, thanks for checking out the Highland. Uh, Check our sponsors. Share with your friends and have a great day.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend Byron McCauley.